I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror cult exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z. As always, I am your dumb shit host, Derek Carey, and along with me tonight are some of my friends that want to sit and defend horror remakes. The dreaded phrase, horror remakes. <laughs> Nobody seems to like horror remakes, but they do seem to like to bitch about them. Well, tonight we're going to try and cut the bitching down Mostly because somebody that was going to bring in the Evil Dead remake decided to bow out. So now I can be a happy Derek all night. Um, <laughs> oh, man, I was looking forward to that one. <laughs> I had, I'm sorry, Andrew, I had to get it in. I had well, to get I it could, in. I could, yeah, that's what she said at the picnic. So tonight we're going to talk about them horror remakes, folks. We're going to try and bring good ones for you to watch. Tonight with me, you heard him. You know his lovely face. In his wonderful movies, Mr. Andrew Shearer of Gonzarific Films from Athens, Georgia. How you doing, sir? I'm good, man. Pleasure to be here amongst a good company, man. I always like being on your show. Thanks for the thanks for letting me in here. Well, thank you for coming on. Now, we always seem to gravitate towards the remake talk, you and I. Is there anything in particular you'd like to impart on the listeners of Astro Radio Z pertaining to horror remakes or remakes in general? Yeah. I just, I don't, I think they're kind of full of shit when they complain about them, because if you really cared about originality, then you wouldn't say the same shit every time you heard about a remake, you know? Right. So, I mean, there are, they are no real threat. There's not a proof that any remake has been a threat to the original movie. And to be honest, original movies don't have any more of a right to exist than a remake does as far as films are concerned anyway. So, you know, it's really kind of, kind of dumb. I had, um... I guess when I was a kid, the Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead came out, and I went with my uncle and my dad, who had gone together as teenagers to see the original. Those guys taught me how to be horror fans, because all they talked about was their favorite movies and what they liked about them. I never heard them. They had more to say about the things they liked than the things they didn't like, and I think today's horror fan could really take a few notes from those guys. Well, I think a lot of people can take a few notes from those, but I think, you know, it's the social media gives us the, the platform in order to sit in the loudest bitcher gets heard by the most people, it seems. Uh, outrage is the most commonly expressed emotion on social media, but the second most common is joy. So I'm of that second part. So I heard you went to Days of the Dead in Atlanta this last weekend. How'd that go for you? It was good, man. I mean, I'm part of the media, so I go to every single one, and I they, on a press pass you have to pick the day. So I picked the day that... Uh, uh, my friend Victor's film Dead Be Diary of a Deadbeat was playing. It's um, a documentary about Jim Van Beber. Fantastic oh, movie. Yeah. I don't really do the autograph thing, uh, but um, Antonietta Pare was there from uh, um, Green Inferno, the Cannibal Queen, and I flipped out. I saw her. I and saw I, your picture on Facebook. Oh my, I was like, oh my god, what are the odds she's gonna? Am I ever gonna see this part? You know, it's just, it's not. You know, there are some people that you see at the conventions year in and year out. You know, and and uh, but she is just like 
you know, she's from what, like Peru or something? I don't know where she's from, but she, her English wasn't that great. So I grabbed my heart a lot and smiled and you know what I mean? I just was, I tried to be, but, um, you know, she had to like, I had to write my name on a piece of paper and then she had to copy it so she could do the autograph on the Blu-ray, you know? Um, but she, when it came time to get my picture with her, she stood where the light was really good and got on a certain side of me. She's all professional. Everyone that I saw on Facebook, on the Facebooks and on the Twitters, uh, seemed to be having a blast. Who were the big guests other than the obvious, like Kane Hodder was there? Elvira was the headliner. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, Elvira's headliner. Um, they had a Cabin Fever cast reunion. Uh, just a lot of really neat stuff compared to years past. So, you know, you had your staples there, but, you know, you start to think, it's like, okay, I've seen, I've talked to Sid Haig a million times, but, you know, like Angus Grimm was there last year, and, you know, so you just never know. Oh, Let's hang our heads and have a moment of silence for Mr. Angus Scrim. Yeah, I like his cane was on the table, and I thought he'd gotten up or something. I don't know why I went to touch the cane, and he's like, hello. <laughs> oh, yeah, no oh, God, if he'd have said that, I'd shit my pants. I was going to ask if he did. <laughs> he, did he did not. <laughs> it's too bad. That's... That's too bad. Well, you folks, you just heard her voice. You're starting to get to know this girl quite well, Miss Angelique. She's at, She was actually near Days of the Dead, Atlanta, but didn't get to go. Many sads. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. I'm <laughs> glad to be back. And next to her is Mr. Bowtie himself, Mr. Paul Salzer. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing extremely well, thank you. So I got a question to ask you um, because you have ducked out of this year's franchise did we hurt you last year with the vice academy episodes uh, no i just ended up missing the uh, first few movies i know you covered like one two and three and i just happened to not have enough time to watch them all so if you would be willing to have me for the last part of the discussion i could but i didn't want to take away from the, all the great panelists that are already there so well i'm i'm glad you want to come back you've been waiting you just want to talk about new moon rising don't you yeah i do well if the rest of them aren't good paul you can just take my spot <laughs> <laughs> Andrew is very scared about the rest of the Howling films. And he should be. He should be. No, 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 no. Not for four. At least be, be excited for part four. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You and I, if you're coming on the next episode, Daniel, this is Mr. Daniel Edenfield from the Star Wars episode, folks. And he is coming out, guns the blazing saying that Howling 4 is the one to be watching. I'm going to tell you right now, brother, that, that movie sucks. Hard. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I know I, I stand alone, but that is a uh, uh, hell. I'll just say, it. I mean, that's my favorite howling movie. And there are <laughs> plenty of reasons yet. Yeah, there are plenty of reasons why, but, and oh, I mean, it's just not for the, this isn't the howling episode, but it's just, that was one of the first horror movies like when I was a kid that movie is the one that scarred me that was you know there's a few movies you'll see as a little kid that stick with you and for me it was The Fog and Howling 4 I saw and the main thing that really just fucked me up was the part when the dude's melting and all the little people are around him going hail Satan praise Satan and dude that scarred me and that was <laughs> that. Wait, that I, sounds pretty cool. I, I will defend Howling Four, even if I'm the only one that does it. I will defend that movie because shitty editing, horrible music, and just all around just bad movie. It still hits it right, and I I can defend it. 
How many topless shots in the end credits of part four? None. I can guarantee you. And how is it better than how is it better than two? It's not. (laughs) (laughs) As long as it's better than three, I'll be okay. Listeners, you're gonna have to wait for two weeks to find out. The conclusion of those thoughts. Yeah, sorry, Dad, I didn't even want to take this one off on a tangent. My bad. I just you said I, I had oh, to. That's, it. that's foreshadowing, man. And last but not least, folks, roll out the red carpet, lay down the rose petals, tip your hats, and raise your drinks. Miss Annie Riordan has graced us with her presence. I've been trying to get her on my show for must be years now. Annie, thank you for coming on to Astro Radio Z. Of course. Sorry I'm late. It's snowing like hell here in Providence. I saw the pictures. You guys are getting doused. Yeah, and I just worked a 15-hour day. So I'm probably not going to be real with it tonight, but I'll do my best for you, Derek. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Now... Listeners, if you are not familiar with Miss Annie, Annie, would you like to uh, tell the listeners about your wonderful podcast that I listen to every single week? It's great. (laughs) Yeah, that would be Fear of a Dork Planet that I do with my best friend and unofficial brother, Eric Carlson. And basically, it's just us for an hour talking about movies and music that nobody else has ever heard of and doesn't listen to. I love the last episode he just put out, the solo one, where it was just a playlist of all the music that you guys talked about on the episode before. It was great. Yeah, I actually haven't been able to listen to the whole thing yet. It was a nice mix. I, I, you know, Strangely enough, you guys brought totally different styles of music, and when you put them together, the playlist worked great. Yeah, I was amazed. Eric is very punk. I'm very metal, but it worked. <laughs>
welcome back, folks. Here we are. We're going to start talking about horror remakes. Traditionally, and this is just my thoughts, and I'm sure other people will refute this once we get to them, um, I don't really watch too many remakes. Remakes, to me, only really serve a purpose if, for some reason, at least, and, and don't, I know this is totally arbitrary, if for some reason the film just didn't work, and then they decide to remake the film with uh, a, a bigger budget, or somebody comes at it from a different angle and improves on the film. That's usually the only way that you'll catch me watching some of these remakes. Now, I know there are good ones out there that I have skipped just because I am a crotchety old man when it comes to remakes. <laughs> like it, The only one that I, I decided to uh, give a chance to, and this is uh, the pick that I'm going to bring in, we'll start the conversation off tonight with, was the remake of The Crazies. George Romero's The Crazies was remade in 2010. Hello. I'm coming. Pick it out? Not Deidre or Nicholas. There was an empty gas can just sitting out front, and Bill, well, he was mowing the damn lawn. Bill! Bill! How long has he been playing a statue? A couple hours now. Hey, Ben. Ben. All things wise and wonderful. Is he dead? You know what? What? We're in trouble. I heard something from the funeral home. What did you hear? Screaming. Jim? Crazies, or George Romero's version of it, was a very rough film. It was one of his films in his early catalog, which I love early George Romero. I think much, most of his stuff, aside from like Season of the Witch and There's Always Vanilla, his early stuff is really taut. It has a lot to say. It's not heavy-handed. And it just moves along at such a brisk pace that he's very inspirational to me as a filmmaker. And as a horror fan growing up, as a little tyke, he's, his films pretty much are what introduced me to horror. But the, one of the, the oddballs in that early catalog was The Crazies, which was this film that is essentially a retread of Night of the Living Dead, um, where uh, a bacteriological outbreak happens and people start going insane, killing each other, raping each other. Um, in this small town, and the government comes in and quarantines them all, 
And uh, it's just this big governmental power struggle between the little man and the government. And it's essentially zom- a zombie film without zombies. And I never really thought it worked because I, th- I thought the idea was a little more uh, ambitious than what his budget was allowing him to, to do. So when they decided to remake the film, I'm like, perfect. This is a perfect film to go out and remake because the first film was flawed to me. And they took it and nailed it out of the park. Uh, the 2010 remake of The Crazies is, is so intense, so graphic, so in your face. It actually is one of the few modern films that I've seen in a while that is serious and doesn't have its tongue in its cheek and has to reference everything or call back to an old film. And it works. It works so well. I just rewatched it today. And aside from it just being a great remake of a film, I think it's one of the better horror films of the last 10 years. Um, And that's something for me to say, because like I said, I'm not a huge remake fan. But for me, remakes in general... To, if they're going to work and they're going to catch my interest, have to be for films that I kind of thought needed, it could have been better. So to see them remade by somebody else that's excited for the material is usually what gets me to actually watch any of them. Annie, what are your thoughts on remakes in general? Honestly, I don't have a problem with them. Some films just don't age well. Some need a remake. I mean, one of my all-time favorite films is John Carpenter's The Thing. That's a remake. So, no, I don't have a problem with them. The only time I have a problem with them is when, oh, God, did anybody see the Black Christmas remake? (laughs) I avoided that one. Oh, God, shit like that where they just try and they're trying too hard. And it's PG-13 and it just, it doesn't work. So has anybody uh, caught the Crazies remake? Yes. Yeah. What did you think of it, Anne? Oh, God, it's been a couple years since I've seen it, but I remember being really impressed. I... God, I haven't seen the original for years, but I remember, I think I was too young when I watched it and I was bored Mm -hmm. because I wasn't old enough to appreciate classic horror yet. But yeah, I, that one definitely needed a remake. To me, uh, a zombie film does not need to have zombies in it. It has to have it, you know, to me, a zombie film is more about the survivors. The best ones that I've ever seen have always been about the survivors and if the crazies are about the survivors, I'm definitely going to watch this film. It is about a core group of people that are trying to survive a situation, it, but it's more it's, the atmosphere that rules than the actual people. It's kind of a freight train of a movie where these people are just going from place to place to place and constantly being chased. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very rare that I've seen a film with this kind of tension for an hour and 40 minutes. It's uh, quite an impressive film. Has anybody else checked this one out? Yeah, actually I did. I saw um, <clears throat> it had been a, a long time. I couldn't even remember the original crazies, but uh, when the, the remake came out, I I fully agree with you, Derek. Like I wasn't super familiar, you know, as I said, with the original material, but with the remake, it essentially was, it, and it was kind of like blending night of the living dead that, you know, a zombie film with the new wave zombies like 28 days later, but it's all about the atmosphere. So essentially, yeah, the crazies is not really zombies, but it is, it's just tension, intense moment after tense moment 
that just kind of, it's like a roller coaster that just keeps you going. And it doesn't, there are very few moments in that film that actually let you relax because even if you do kind of relax, it's still just kind of nudging you a little bit that something could happen or something's about to happen. I just, I remember the pacing of that movie, which to me is very important. I remember the pacing was really good. Yeah, it's super taut, and I think it took a a, a note from and a cue from uh, Zack Snyder's remake of Dawn of the Dead, where it it kind of had that that intro of Dawn of the Dead had such a claustrophobic and aggressive feel to it, and I think the crazies took a nod from that and just ran that the entire length of the film. Oh, yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. Andrew? Oh, I have it, and it's Lynn Lowry's fault. I like <laughs> I, I interviewed her once after a 16-millimeter print screening of the original Crazies, and then uh, I spent like, a good portion of the day with her, and she ended up talking about her. She did a cameo in the Crazies remake and just how what the set was like, how few people even realized it was a remake, how few people realized she was in it and just the way the set was and stuff like that. And I was like... So I just, you know what I mean? I never got around. But I do think when we talk about people hating on remakes, I think it's specific to remakes that happened after. I I think it begins with the uh, Texas Chainsaw remake, and it goes on through there. Ones that were done before that seem to get a pass, and it's the ones people bitch about. seems to be Texas Chainsaw and beyond. Be like next, the the 2004 Dawn of the Dead, and then it just... you know, there's more and more bitching as the years go on. You know what I mean? Could it possibly be because those of us that grew up in the 80s, for some reason they decided to start remaking all of those stories? Yes. And because of yes. N- and our generation and now feels <laughs> a, a sense of entitlement over these over these things, and they, their childhood is in a goddamn little glass case. And, you know, and, and it's... It, yeah. <laughs> we broke Andrew. Andrew just broke. I'm just so, you know what I mean? I'm so over it. Oh my god. You know, it's like you can't tell me. I'm sorry, man. As bad as some of these remakes are, they don't suck as bad as some of them sequels sucked, dude. For oh, real. Absolutely. Thing and Andrew hit that on the head. Essentially, I mean, I agree with that when he talks about, you know, our childhood being in a glass case, but with the industry being so just fucked like oh can i say that but it just it is nobody nobody knows how to make any money and the people that do have the money want to keep the money and so they don't take chances anymore so what's the safe bet because see they're hollywood's not making movies for us anymore we're we're done we are out of that jet set they make movies for younger dumber kids and so to get our money, they know that we ha- we were born and it grew up in a decade where cynicism is just – I mean, that's it. Everything we look at now is through cynical glasses. So, you know, they're giving us remakes just to try to entice the money out of our wallets because otherwise I'm not going to pay for the shit that they offer <laughs> in a movie theater. I really, other than Star Wars, can't tell you the last movie I went to the theater to see. Well, it's also recognition. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. I go, well, am I more likely to watch a movie that's written by a screenwriter I like or directed by somebody I like or featuring actor that I like oh, or, you're right. t- or telling a story that I like? So it's it's all of it's kind of – you know, I mean, it's tied in. So I'm like, oh, Night of the Living Dead. I liked that. I'll watch that again. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, I don't see any difference really in it. But, um, you know, also, like, oh, in the um, modern horror 
podcast, I think I talked about the originality thing of, of Generation mm-hmm. X, you know, and how they, they send mixed signals about what they want. It's like a guy in a Halloween t-shirt with a Jason action figure going, I, I don't, I want original new things. <laughs> <laughs> fuck but you, you don't want to pay for them. That's the thing is they don't want to pay for them. That's why we keep getting these properties that we're familiar with over and over and over again at the Cineplex is because people don't want to take chances on those. They'll take chances on those in the streaming world. You know, just click, oh, 10 minutes, oh, it doesn't work for me, okay, then I'll move on. But going to the theater and plunking down your hard-earned money, they'd rather go see the 15th reiteration of A Nightmare on Elm Street as opposed to some new horror film that uh, nobody's ever heard of the director or don't know any of the people in it or don't know the story, aren't familiar with the story. Well, I'll tell and I you. think that's what pisses me off about remakes. That's the only problem I have with remakes is that they're trying too hard to sanitize them. They're streamlining them. They're mass producing them. It's like the original films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was an indie film. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't star anybody. It wasn't made in Hollywood. It was raw. It was primal. And the remakes just are too glossy. That's completely it. And, and also the people that don't even realize that this is a remake. Like I was standing in line for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake and the guys are probably like, man, this is going to be the best thing. I, this is the best new movie ever. And I was like, what? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's a whole generation of movies you guys are missing. It's fine to watch the remake, but please watch the originals too at some point. Yep. Like, wouldn't great movies, great original movies, be wasted on a generation that movies don't really mean as much to because they're so easily consumed and discarded? Right. Good point. Unless it's something that is water cooler talk that everyone is aware of, nobody pays attention to it anymore. I mean, let's take, for example, last night, the Super Bowl happened, which I didn't watch at all. But who do they get out there for the the Super Bowl halftime show? The biggest snoozer band on earth, Coldplay. Oh, God. Because people know who that is. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why you're on my show, Dan. I I recognize the name, I think, but I couldn't tell you what the fuck they play or nothing. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I don't watch Super Bowl. I have no fucking clue. They play the shit that plays overhead at my day job. (laughs) (laughs) Debuting in elevators everywhere. (laughs) Oh, fuck that. Kenny G plays in the elevator. Okay, there is no competition. I'm going to let Mr. G know about this, and we'll take care of this Coldplay problem. Kenny is a G, man. You don't want to mess with him. That G is a gangster. Don't you mess with that man. Major beef is about to drop down. Nothing but a G thing. If we can start, if we can start Kenny hashtag Kenny G verse Coldplay on Twitter, if we can get that trending, let's do this. Let's make this epic battle happen, Dan. Hey, come on, please, everybody, help me out now. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's get his attention. I want, dude. I've got a super team. We got Kenny G. We'll get Yanni. We'll get Richard Mark. It'll be like Dante. a power mullet. And John will be a power mullet and a mustache from hell. These people are going down. You don't mess with that. <laughs> I like what just happened here. <laughs> Remember, folks, hashtag Kenny G versus the world or Kenny G versus Coldplay. Astroradioz.com. <laughs> Kenny Gatoroid. 
That's going to be my hashtag on every single tweet or post I do for the next month. I'm doing it, I'm doing it right now. Dude, I hope Andrew just dropped some, some major, major skill there. Kenny G versus Gatoroid. Can we make that movie happen, please? Kenny Gin and Juice. Um, music tames the savage beast. Oh, my I do, gosh. I do think the, the, the Twitter sphere and the blogosphere is complicit in the remake thing because I know critics, they call themselves, that will um, on purpose watch movies they know are going to be bad and that they can be snarky about and then get and live tweet during them because nobody's going to pay attention if they're live tweeting to a great movie and they take they don't even know how to write about a great movie. Well, because they can, they can write a sentence at a time and just comment on what's what they're watching. That takes no thought. Yeah, because I mean, I've I've been like, hey, why are you watching this? Why don't you watch this awesome new movie you haven't seen? And they're like, oh, well, I can't be shitty about that one. <laughs> They've said that. I, wow. I, I totally said that. Ugh. Well, welcome. I had, a, I had a critic turn to me in, before a screening and go, I hate movies. I had a guy tell me that. What? Holy wow. Crap. He turned around. He was another writer locally. Turned around and goes, I hate movies. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> People will do anything for money. Heck, even a movie that I hate, I'm joyful about it because I'm like, okay, it's something that inspired a response, and somebody worked really hard to make this piece of trash. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's most of the movies we cover here on Astro Radio. I feel like this was my fault. The Crazies, no, I did not see it. <laughs> oh man, Crazies. Uh, to, to round it back, before we start getting, I'm going to, each one of the guests brought in a, a remake tonight to recommend to you folks that you should check out. So you can, you can take that bitching hat, toss it aside, and actually give your time and money to these films because they deserve it. Um, the Crazies is my pick tonight. You definitely should go check it out. There's this one scene, I'll, I'll leave it with this. There's this one scene where this town has been quarantined because this uh, a virus has broke out that is driving everyone insane. And uh, the government's come in, the army's come in and quarantined this town and strapped all of the people that they think are infected to gurneys. And uh, all of a sudden, this big firefight breaks out, and all that are left are the crazies and these helpless people that are in gurneys. And this one guy walks into a room with a, with a pitchfork, just dragging it, a bloody pitchfork along the on the ground, and goes to each gurney one by one, and starts stabbing them relentlessly with this pitchfork. It is one of the most intense, in-your-face, gross scenes of any movie I've seen in a long. It is mean-spirited and in-your-face and so intense. I definitely think. If anything, if any remake that I've seen in a long time, The Crazies deserves your time. Definitely go check it out. So let's go ahead and let's move on to somebody else, Mr. Paul Salzer. What is the film you brought in, my friend? I brought uh, Let Me In. As some of you may have heard, there was an incident last night. One of your recent graduates here was killed. In the meantime, we need you all to be on the lookout for any suspicious activity. You guys just moved in, huh? How do you know? I live next door to you. What happened there? Some kids from school? I'll help you. But you're a girl. I'm a lot stronger than you think I am. 
Can you hear me through the wall? Only sometimes. We found another body a few days ago. Victim completely drained of blood. Please don't see that boy again. Where's your dad? He pissed on my dad. What was that? What was going on? remake of uh, Let the Right One In. Uh, and it's based on the screenplay and the novel. Uh, it has ver uh, very much a lot of the similar themes from the uh, original movie uh, and novel. It's about bullying. It's about gender and sexual identification. It's about parenting. Uh, it's about solving puzzles. <laughs> and unlike a lot of the remakes that we're kind of used to talking about, this one didn't follow the trend. It didn't say, okay, I'm going to take a really old movie that somebody's forgotten or take a really weird foreign film that nobody knew about. They actually went out and said, there is this popular film. Uh, it came out two years ago, roughly. People loved it. Critics loved it. We're going to remake it and make it Americanized. <laughs> so what they did was they did intensify the gore, some cheesy special effects. <laughs> there is some good stuff about it. You know, you got the you got great makeup. You've got a lot of the themes. Uh, the tone and the pacing are different, which is why I enjoy Let Me In. Um, and I also like the fact that they kind of changed up the emphasis of the film. You know, it, it just little, little things throughout the film that they just slightly tweaked that made it in a, a different type of movie for me. It was like, wow, the first movie really talked more about, you know, this, this uh, androgynous thing between the two leads, where in this film, it, it seemed like they weren't really talking so much about the androgynous nature of the situation, but more about, okay, the love that they have. Uh, and they also had the whole, again, the pacing was off from the first film. Unlike the original film, which kind of sets in a linear pace, you can kind of just, you get drawn into it. It's very mysterious. It's like, oh, what's happening? What's happening? Uh, in each step, and, th and that was the original film. In this film, it just uh, they start you right out in the action. They basically start you two weeks into the story, and then as soon as they have that little bit, then they bring you like two, two weeks back. And then you get to fill in all the blanks. And so they really introduce a lot of the characters very, very early on. And I don't know if there's just a lot of things that I could talk about. This is one of the films I actually have not seen hmm. because of my crotchety old man stance. <laughs> uh, because I love Let the Right One In so much. Yeah, I cool. said, and, and I, I'm victim of being the, a bitcher. I said, <laughs> fuck this movie because I love Let the Right One In. <laughs> 
and I don't, I, I, I don't have that allergy to subtitles. Um, so, <laughs> so I didn't see this, but I keep hearing this over and over and over again that this is actually a great remake. It really is. I mean, because it isn't exactly the same film. Yes, they, they have a lot of scene-for-scene scene recreations. They have a lot of the similar dialogue. But again, it was it was slightly different. Like in the original film, I, like I said, the two characters seemed very, very – you couldn't tell if they were female or male. In this one, you you in the beginning – they were very androgy- um, androgynous. You couldn't tell if they were male or female. But as the story progressed, you can tell that um, Abby in the remake, it's Ellie in the original, uh, she actually looks more feminine, and that might be because of who they cast in the lead uh, role. But you can tell that she, I mean, the at first she was kind of covered up, so you couldn't really see her hair. And as she got more progressively through the story, you definitely seen that she's more female, uh, I think in the original novel they explain why she she actually does say that she's not a girl because she really isn't a girl and that a like a, a lord had chopped something off oh. sort of thing. Uh, in this story they don't really cover that and that line actually has a different meaning in this movie because it, it more seems like it, is that she's talking about the fact that she's a vampire and they actually add a few extra lines in the remake film in that he actually kind of probes her a little bit. It's like, what do you mean you're not a girl? And it's like, what are you? And then she actually goes and says, I'm nothing, which I thought was just a, a really profound thing, especially when they're talking about this this kind of teenage trying to identify what it is that you're, who you are at this time of age. I mean, they're 12 years old. Well, she's playing a 12-year-old. And it, it's trying to identify who you are, and that's basically what she comes back with. I'm nothing. And that was just a profound statement that you don't see in the original one. And, you know, that just that was just a weird, different thing. I was, yes, kind of weirded out by the original uh, because it didn't seem like the father had this history with with Ellie. Um, so it kind of kind of hinted that he was maybe a little bit older when he discovered her, whereas uh, like all type of American horror films, they kind of had to explain something and they actually put in an extra scene to kind of explain that, yes, they met when they were younger. He's not a pedophile, uh, that he gradually grew up with her. <laughs> See, I don't mind. I didn't mind that. It made it, it gave it a creep factor. That's why I liked that original one. And that's actually what I heard about this film is a lot of people thought that the first film is more of a macabre kind of creepy film to, to kind of scare you mentally. Whereas this film went outright and tried to make it a, a vampire horror film, it, especially this one scene where uh, a recently turned vampire kind of in a comedic type of sense, the nurse opens up the windows and she just blows into flames, you know? Well, in the original one, she's just kind of this fountain of flame. And in the remake, the entire room explodes, well, taking out does. the nurse. Yeah, so. Michael Bay came in for one day. They got one him day. great for one day. <laughs> brought him in. Blew the whole fucking movie apart. <laughs> Last day of shooting, I'm sure. I'm sure. Has anybody else checked this one out? Oh, yeah. It's it's really, really good. And I'm very particular about vampire films, and I really enjoyed this one. It stuck a, to a lot of the traditional vampire rules. And that's what I like. And just the the, the love story between this child and this creature, you know, it's like Twilight's antithesis. 
<laughs> you know, where Twilight failed so miserably, this did it right. Uh, let's let's not bring up the Twilights. Oh, yeah, but see now you got my interest. I, I have never seen this film, and now I believe I will watch it. I'm, you like, should. I'm really, I'm really picky about my vampires and the vampire mythos and stuff that they use. And I, yeah, I'm like Derek. I never saw it. Never wanted anything to do with it. I'm just a curmudgeon. I don't care. <laughs> Harumph. Let me sit at home and watch my old stuff. So I, I never watched it. But <laughs> these these descriptions now, you you've got me intrigued. I think I'll check it out. Fantastic. Fantastic. I've heard this many, many, many times, Uh-oh. and uh, I've just been that dude. Get off my fucking lawn. I got this shotgun <laughs> in my PBR, bitch. You better get the fuck on. This is be mine now. <laughs> but that just sold me. I might I might check this one out. Annie, have you seen this one? I have seen this one, yes. And thoughts. Uh, well, honest, I'm going to be honest and say I like the book better than either one of the movies. But there were things I liked about both of them and things I didn't like about both of them. I thought they were two totally different movies. They just had a completely different theme. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that the first one takes place in, what was it, Sweden? Yep. Mm -hmm. And the new one, is that Arizona or New Mexico? Uh, New Mexico, uh, Los Alamos. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just two totally different worlds. Yeah, I I loved... The original one, the how it was just this really kind of dark, cold environment where these cold people that were holed up in their houses uh, were getting stalked by this innocent little girl who was manipulating this man uh, who wasn't her father, wasn't her friend. Was it some creep that was diddling her? <laughs> I, I just loved how ambiguous the film was. And as it went along, it, you know, it opened up. But you guys are, are really selling me on this one. Uh, I, I can't wait to check this one out. Andrew, have you ever seen this one? Yeah, I love the original. So I, I was like there the first day to go see the, the remake. And I if I say any more, I'm going to make you not want to see it. And I think you should. So, Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Descent in the ranks. <laughs> <laughs> there are some, some things that not like a book, but... Yeah. No, I didn't well, like it. It was too similar to the... Uh, to, in my mind, it was too similar to the other movie for me to forget about the other movie when I was watching it, so it wasn't really fair. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, I all, the things, all the things that I really liked about the first one, they, they didn't... It didn't, you know what I mean? It, it just didn't, like, the, you know, a lot of the gender stuff that I really enjoyed, particularly the shot where Ellie reveals her genitals, they just didn't do that at all, and I felt that was really wimpy. Um, the, the shot, my favorite shot of Let, Let the Right One In is the pool, where yes. you don't really see what happened, you just see the arm floating, and they, they screwed that up completely. It lost, that shot lost all its power, and I wish they hadn't have tried. Uh, I love Chloe Grace Moritz, but I thought she was too physically large. Compared to the the boy, and I loved how small Ellie was. And um, every time that uh, in Let Me In, she becomes a vampire. She's a CGI character. So anytime she attacks someone, it's a CG. So I just I yeah, it didn't really, you know what I mean? It didn't for me. I didn't. It was too, it was too similar. You know, I think they would have been done a better job if they had tried to ch- try a little harder to change it. Um, I'm like you, Derek. I just love the atmosphere of Let the Right One In. Uh, that kind of you did a perfect description of it. It's just kind of, you know, them putting on the records and chilling to it, and the kind of you know wordlessness of it, and the airiness of it, and the coldness of it. The, all those whites and blues, you know, mm-hmm. it just had a kind of 
it kind of have a had a weird kind of rock and rollness to it, and uh, that wasn't very American, and that's why I dug it. And yeah, the new one, like they, uh, Paul did a great job describing it. And, you know, it's very very more Americanized. I just um, it didn't do it for me because it was I kept thinking about the old one, and I don't want to do that. I wanted to give it a fair chance, and it, it wasn't really letting me do that. How could you not think of the old one? It it came out two years later. Yeah, I know, but they can. They can, There's a lot they could do to change. You know what I mean? There's a lot they. Could, I just. I'm not a. I'm not a Hollywood person. You know. I just. Maybe it's my problem because it was the Cabin in the Woods guy, and I think that movie blows. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. it's like nobody saw Waxwork. Oh wait, no, people have seen Let the Right. What they didn't stay English, so maybe no one watched it. <laughs> oh, I can do see. this. <laughs> Lost. That was the same problem I had with uh, when they started remaking all the the J horror movies like Juwan and The Ring and all so that I like, stuff. I like The Ring and The Grudge because I did feel they were different enough. Um, but this just didn't... Uh, yeah, it was too much too much like it. You know what I mean? If Let Me In, if Let the Right One In had been made like 20 years before, then it just an update would have made it different. You know what I mean? Better technology and all that stuff, but it was, yeah, it was too soon and too similar for me to... You know what I mean? But I'm not trying to make you not watch it. You should always form your own opinion, everybody. Absolutely. I definitely have been putting it off, but I've been told by so many people to check this one out. So I yeah, think I'm going to finally bite that bullet, folks. Yeah, you, don't have a, you don't have an oar in the water in a discussion if you can't, if you hadn't seen it. So Absolutely. I and agree with this head, totally. Severed arm, some body parts. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of another contentious remake... <laughs> Miss Annie Riordan brought in a remake that we had talked about on 31 Days of Horror episode two years ago, and I just gushed over this fucking movie. It's one of my favorite recent remakes. Annie, what is the film you brought in tonight? Maniac. So, what do you do? Are you an artist? I don't know about all that. I see you too. I have a surprise for you. Please! Help me! Please don't scream. You're so beautiful. It's amazing. I love them. Sometimes I think that they have more personality than most people. So what does your girlfriend think of your work? I, I don't have a girlfriend. You and Anna are a perfect fit. <laughs> they will never understand. As long as you keep a secret. But if you can't, you'll be alone. Alone. The 1980 Maniac by William Lustig. Yeah, this was, this is everything a good remake should be. This is like the blueprint. If you want to do a remake of a film, do it like this. It was just really, really slick. Uh, it, it felt dirty. I mean, I felt dirty watching it. It was like a porno. And that was kind of the feeling that came with the original one as well. It was kind of like, 
you're watching it in a private booth that has sticky seats, you know? <laughs> and they really were able to keep that feeling in this remake, whereas, you know, the urge to sanitize, you know, usually wins over in Hollywood. This was not at all. I just... It just made me feel dirty. Now, could it have been uh, the POV nature of the film because it shot totally point of view that kind of gave you that feeling? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, you totally feel like you're an accomplice. Absolutely. You're just following this guy doing the most despicable things. And let's also say that this remake was made by, well, who was the director of it? It wasn't, it was produced by Alexander Aja, correct? Uh, shit, you know, I can't remember. Uh, it was directed by Frank Calf. I'm going to fuck up his name. Frank Calfoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did P2, but I don't know what else he did. Oh, yeah. There's another Alexander Aja joint, I believe. <laughs> yeah, Alexander Aja wrote the screenplay for the Maniac remake. And, you know, the other reason I think it worked, and I hate to admit this, but I just think the casting of Elijah Wood was brilliant. Yeah. Because as good as the original one was, there's no way that Carolyn Monroe is going to fall for Joe Spinell. No. (laughs) Come on. I know this is going to be sacrilegious, and I I said this because I just rewatched it this past October. The Lustig's Maniac is not holding up. I think as it's getting older, it is just, I I think it, it is not holding up especially now that we have this wonderfully dreamy, grimy, intense, in-your-face remake. Mm -hmm. It's just like, to me, and no, this is, I just lost half of my listeners. (laughs) Fuck you, Yankee Blue Jeans, get the fuck out of here. You don't don't deserve a podcast about horror films anymore. (laughs) But I really don't think it's holding up well. Uh, Do you think the, the remake's better? Than the original Annie? Honestly, yeah, I do. And I don't give a shit what anybody thinks about that. (laughs) Hell yeah. Amen. Anybody that reads your blog definitely knows that you don't give a shit what anyone else thinks. (laughs) This is an awesome movie. I love this movie. Angelique, you like this one? Um, I actually haven't seen it. I've been very resistant in watching it. So I'm definitely going to have to watch it now. Yeah. It's so, a wonderful, wonderful well, I mean, flick. Elijah Wood is creepy, so it, it, it you know, I'm He's like... really good creep. Yeah, I've <laughs> toyed with it. It's in my queue, and I keep, like, scrolling to it, and I'm like, why? You like, no, no. So I'm gonna <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. Do it. All the lights off. And if you have the opportunity, have the sound cranked. Because oh, yeah. it has a wonderful yeah. score. The yeah. synth score is so intense. And it, it reminds me of It Follows, that kind of synthy score that's in that. There's a, it has a very similar vibe. It kind of reminded me of Fulci, too. Yes, I agree with that. Okay. Anybody else? I know we've talked about this movie many times on Astro Radio. Does anyone else want to chime in about this one? I loved it, man. I'm, I'm loving everything I'm hearing, dude. I mean, it's like, I love that you said about the original not holding up. I love both Maniacs. But here's this thing, man. When they remake a movie, all of a sudden the original becomes this untouchable masterpiece. <laughs> and they're fucking not, okay? It's stupid. It's I hate I hate when they do that, man. It's like, come on, man. Sometime movie just admit it's not that great and it probably was ripe for a remake. Let's do this. Don't not everything 
expect to be in this, you know, all of a sudden, oh, God, wait, it's a classic. It's like somebody, I forget one of the podcasts, like, what would you do, Andrew, if somebody ripped off one of your movies? I was like, it'd make my movie a fucking masterpiece. So (laughs) (laughs) everyone would be like, fuck, the erotic couch was so much better when God's a rip and get it. Why why you got to pick that one out of all my movies, buddy? (laughs) I love that. I would love to see a, a Meryl Streep in the erotic couch. But, you know, <laughs> Angela Bassett. I, I just, um, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful movie. And Elijah Wood, man, you don't know him. He's qualified to play a psycho. You didn't see the right parts of Sin City. You know oh saying? yeah, no kidding. Because <laughs> that so that part is full group, and he's a horror fan. Maniacs is just good, man. I think it suffered from the people that aren't watching it. Are suffering from that malaise that horror fans got that that just like all remakes are just not watchable and that's you know the glut of all of them just did a kind of a disservice to it so that I'm sorry maniac but I know you're good yeah it's a shame I I really think that it's a it's a great one it just has there's so much about it that is great the main thing is the old grimy grindhouse purists. Love that maniac, the original maniac. So they can watch it. It's not going anywhere. Yep. <laughs> They're not going to watch it anyway. <laughs> like, if you wanted this. to be just like the old one, then what's the point of watching the new one? Jesus. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Let's go ahead and let's move on, folks. Andrew, while we're at it, what did you bring in, brother? Oh, I brought in Piranha 3D. I think this is from 2010. I named it my top movie of 2010, so the newspaper had to put a big picture on my year-end pics <laughs> of that Jerry O'Connell guy from Stand By Me getting like his ass chomped off. See that gap right there? Yeah. Quake, open that up. Now it's a connecting passage. Descending fissure. Oh my god. It's at least 200 feet, Novak. Sam? Something bit me! Sam, what are you seeing down there? Oh my god. Sam! like this body's been in the water for weeks. I want to know what the hell this thing is doing in my lake. Is that a piranha? This particular piranha vanished two million years ago. I'm thinking about closing the lake. There's us and there's 20,000 kids. You do the math. declared an emergency. Don't worry, we got B over here! Piranha hunt in packs. The first bite draws blood. The blood draws the pack.
I'm a big fan of the original Piranha Joe Dante. It's a classic and, you know, very, very campy uh, Jaws ripoff. And um, I loved uh, that they got the high tension guy who's, you know, he's done some other great remakes. I really like Mirrors, really like his Hills Have Eyes movie. Oh, yeah. And so, like, it was hard to pick one, actually, because I really like a lot of remakes. But Piranha 3D, man, number one, if you didn't see it in 3D in the theater, you missed out. Because that was a good time watching a movie, man. I went there with somebody who was like a hardcore horror person that loves like, you know, Martyrs and 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 Alucarda and all this other stuff. Is not really into like the popcorn cheese horror. And she was like, fuck, that was awesome. <laughs> the beach massacre scene was done by KB Effects, and there's so much practical gore. Like that might be the last time we saw this level of practical gore in a big screen movie. It's just carnage like Fuck. It's everywhere. Um, it's a very funny movie, too. Uh, very well acted. Um, I just had a, a good time with it, and it spoofs the Girls Gone Wild stuff. And so if you have a problem with Girls Gone Wild, in particular the D-bag that started Girls Gone Wild, you get to see what it would be like to, have, to watch him have the flesh flayed from his dumbass body. <laughs> <laughs> you know, listeners, my thoughts on uh, horror comedies. I love the motherfuckers. I gobble them up like fucking Pez. Give me that shit all day, all night, and especially hyper-gory horror comedies. Piranha 3D, coming from Alexander Aja, mm -hmm. is shockingly funny and, and such a good time. Yeah, it's got Elizabeth Shue. It's got Ving Rhames. It's got um, Doc Brown. You know, it's got um, uh, a Richard Dreyfuss uh, parroting his Jaws thing at the beginning of it. Yeah, it's just good as hell, man. I love it. It's it's uh, hey, all oh, also let's not forget. I know this may get some scowls. It's got a lot of titty in it too. What's wrong with that? Nothing. <laughs> a lot of these remakes when they come back or even when horror came back in the 90s, it forgot. Whoops. I forgot. I left all the titty at home. <laughs> not piranha. I like that freaky shit. Yep. Come on, man. If you're going to have all that gore, no boob, that just makes you conservative, man. That's the Republican of movies. <laughs> <laughs> so is, is Prana 3D the Bernie Sanders of horror movies? I don't know, man. It's, 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 the, it's, it's the Bernie penis because he'll give you gonorrhea. I don't know, man. I, I, just, I, I, I just really like it. It's fun, I feel man. the burn. Yeah, yeah. I think it's cool. I just it's one of my it was hard to pick one, man, cuz I almost picked the House of Wax remake cuz I love that one too. Um almost picked Texas Chainsaw 2003, love that one. I almost picked on There's so many that I like, man, and but I was just like Prana. Yeah, damn, that's a fun movie, man. It's super fun. I wonder what what the deal was where Alexander Aja was he went from making uh, Switchblade Romance, uh, aka Hot Tension, aka Hi, Tension. How you doing? Uh, uh, 15 different names for that fucking movie and 15 different versions of that fucking movie to being nothing but the remake guy. It's the, it's the work he could get, and it was the time in which he was hot. So he just took it, you know, and made some good... Like, Hills Have Eyes, I like it just as much as I like the old one. It, it's, it tells, basically, it's got the same themes, you know, of, of, like, you know, masculinity and all that and alpha male bullshit. And, you know, it really it kept all the things I liked. It didn't make it all empty. You know, some remakes, like, they forget what made the old one good, you know, like the main message and shit. Sometimes they tell a different message. But uh, the message of Piranha 3D is 
killer fish eating all the white people. <laughs> with their titties out. Oh, with the titty everywhere. I didn't like part two at all. I've told John Gulliger to his face, man. I'm just like, what did you do? How did you mess this up, man? So you walked, you're at a con. Let's let's set the scene. You're at a con. You walk up to the table and you're like, oh, this is the dude that made Piranha no, 3 that's not how it happened, okay? He's there. <laughs> Whenever Clue is at a show, John is there as his handler, and he's not there as a guest. And I'm like, John's just sitting there beside Clue's table, and he's got the rubber piranha sitting there on the thing. It was when it was new, so I don't even know if it was out yet, but I'd seen it. And I'm looking at John. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to think of what to say. I like Feast. I want to shake his hand and tell him I like Feast. So I'm like, hey, John Gulliger, nice to meet you, man. You know, uh, loved Feast. And he's like, oh, yeah, hey, cheer about how, uh, you know, Piranha 3 uh, double, D, double D. And I'm like, hey, I got to go. I'm losing at my watch. Oh, I got to go. No, but then he, he was just like, <laughs> yeah, I said, no, nah, man, I, I just, and that is not for me. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be whatever. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh my god. He, he is aware. himself in his beer. He is aware. <laughs> oh, he was sad looking. I like I didn't want to say shit. I wanted to run away, but he's yeah. Oh, there's, there's not gonna, encounters. There's not going to be a, a 3 3D. I don't think. Not he's not doing it no way. <laughs> Anybody like, else check out this one? No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Big silence. So it's just Andrew and I <laughs> no, on all them titties. That's more fish and titties for me, man. That's a... Annie, did you see this one? I did, yeah. Oh, come did on. Like, like this a horror movie I haven't watched. I liked it. I haven't seen it since it first came out, but I remember being really amused by it. That's about, that's the best way to put it. It's an amusing <laughs> film. You know, and, you know, being a girl, uh, I really liked the, uh, the whole douchebag Girls Gone Wild angle. That was probably the most fun I've had since the end of Hostel 2. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is definitely one of those films. If you're you're a fan of the Gonzo movies, which I know my listeners are, Piranha 3D is great. Yeah, skip Double D. That movie really fucking sucks. How and I come hope I always pick a movie that here. nobody saw but one person? I always do that. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> Remember, it's my show. I matter the most. Remember yeah. that. <laughs> so I count as at least two people. Okay. So let's go on and move on, folks. Miss Angelique brought in a flick. This is a pretty classic one that got remade. What is it, Angelique? When a stranger calls. Oh, yeah. I could have at least driven myself, Dad. I don't want you driving home alone this far so late at night. Wow. You must be Jill. We were so thrilled to find a babysitter at the last minute. Just make yourself at home. Hello? Bobby? Jill, is that you? Have you been calling me? Can I speak with the police? 
Has he threatened you? He just keeps on calling. You're safe inside that house. Why are you doing this? What do you want? Stop calling me, you Jill, sick... it's the police. We traced the call. It's coming from inside the house. You hear me? It's coming from inside the house. <laughs> This is not your traditional remake in that it wasn't like, you know, a shot for shot, story for story remake. It took those first 15, 20 minutes of the original and made it a feature length film. And I loved it. I loved it. Like it started out, you know, looking like the typical kind of, because this was during that big frenzy of remakes where they were modernizing them and making them, you know, stories for our kids, you know. Oh. And uh, <laughs> you think, oh God, it's going to be one of those bad teenage horror stories that were, you know, out around then, but I'm sorry, the, the main character, um, I can't recall her name at, at the minute of the planet, Jill, she was amazing, she's one of the smartest, well, she's not really a funnel girl, because the kids survived, uh, but she's one of the smartest, uh oh, spoiler alert, yeah, my bad, I'm sorry, it's been out since 2006, well, somebody gave away that there are werewolves in Howling 4, so, um, <laughs> Damn it! There. I know. I'm sorry. I, no, it's never a concern podcast. on this show. Thanks. Never a <laughs> But you know, it it also it kind of it was at the the starting point of where they started making technology the enemy because cell phones were still kind of new and really cool. And the the reason she was in this whole babysitting situation is because her boyfriend had kissed her best friend and she went way over on her data. And so she was grounded and was having to babysit these uh, children for free in this crazy house with all these features with motion sensor lights and this stupid indoor Japanese garden with birds and an asshole cat, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know? The cat well, was an you asshole. Just said, Angelique, you could have just said, and a cat. They're kind of synonymous. You know, asshole, cat, and cat are kind of the same thing. No, this kind of, really was kind of an asshole. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it, I babysat as a, as a kid, you know, going into to my teen years, and, and she did everything that you do. You know, you go through the house, you kind of look in drawers, you know, smell mom's perfume, see if she's got any fun lipstick, look in the fridge, rate it, and then, you know, get on the phone to your friends because she couldn't use her cell phone. So she's calling her friends, and then all of a sudden she's getting these calls, you know, have you checked the children? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which is terrifying because that's the number one fear. You're responsible for these children, and oh, shit. You know, They're dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they got SpaghettiOs for faces. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, um, the the – the bad guy was really bad, and he was scary as hell, and she kicked his ass. I mean, she really kicked ass, and she made smart decisions. And, I mean, to take 15 minutes of a movie and to make it draw out and be that good, hey, thumbs up. That's cool. I always thought the first 15 minutes were the only good part of the original movie anyway. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's just me. 
Uh, you know. Well, I mean, the less Carol Kane has to speak, the better. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> true. Annie, you seem to really get into this one, too. What do you think of this one? Yeah, well, I just picked up a double feature. Um, I found them both on one video uh, DVD. Wow, I just totally dated myself there. Video. <laughs> <laughs> I just picked up a double feature on DVD of both of these and watched them back to back. And I agree. I thought the remake was really fast paced. It was really fun. And, oh, my God, Lance Henriksen as the voice on the phone. Holy shit. Yeah. You know, I liked the original, honestly, mostly just for Tony Beckley's performance, the guy who played the psycho. Mm-hmm. But it's not, again, it's another film that's not aging well. It's it's very, sorry, but it's boring. Yep. Well, after yeah. that first 15 minutes, it dies. Yeah, until the last 15 minutes. Yeah, I could never, I could never make it through. That's why I didn't even bother with this new one. This is, this actually sounds pretty great. Anyone else check this one out? I, I wasn't as as big a fan of this film, but it did, it did reach a level for me because yes, it it is. There's like someone had already said it, that what's more scarier than having to to worry about young people, you know, your kids and stuff like that. And yeah, they weren't her kids, but still, it, it's it's her responsibility, and and that does affect you kind of on a on a level that is is eerie you know and and those type of movies you don't see much of and that's really nice but overall i just it it didn't the pacing of this movie was just not the where where i was used to so yeah mm-hmm. i wasn't a big fan i'm <laughs> sorry interesting andrew oh uh, yeah i'm i'm uh you know the original when a stranger calls is like um you know, if you've seen Black Christmas, which came out before it, Black Black, Black Christmas did a similar kind of story way, way better. And uh, the, the interesting thing is that, like, and Scream, for that matter, um, was very heavily, the beginning of Scream is a lot like the most solid part of When a Stranger Calls. So the idea of taking just that piece of the movie, basically, and making it, you know, taking the best parts of it and focusing on that and making that the movie, it's a great-ass idea for a remake, man. It really works. I agree. I agree, and that's that's kind of like there's there's certain remakes that that kind of take those uh, that idea where you take a part of a film and let's make the the whole film that. I think Rob. I know people are gonna get pissed about this. Oh, better let's grab. Sit down, folks. Sit down. <laughs> I heard, I heard I'm what about he's to, to say. get you pissed off at me more. I already was down in fucking Lustig's maniac. Prepare yourself. <laughs> I actually like Rob Zombie's Halloween. Oh. Pause. <laughs> I, I liked it too. I liked it too. I because it did something different, and then it felt at the at the very end like it had to mash the entire original film into thirty minutes. Why did he do that, dude? Uh, I think that was studio pressure to have to do that. To be is honest, he ever gonna make like a movie that just is his movie? Period. You know, I what the fuck. It's like every, every commentary he says, he's like, oh, I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. Okay. Come on, man. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see this new one. We'll see if he actually gets to, to do least, this time. At least Mike, M- Michael Myers didn't, like, in a car at the end, get in slow motion shot to uh, Freebird for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> if there's anything else in the history of Astro Radio Z that I have discussed more than my hatred for the Evil Dead remake... 
it is the ending of the Devil's Rejects and my hatred of the ending of the Devil's Rejects. Well, why are you so excited for the new movie? You know, the new movies, all it's going to be is probably the Devil's Rejects with clowns. Rednecks yelling at each other with guns. So you mean the Devil's Rejects? Oh, yeah. But I, okay, so it'll be the Devil's Rejects with makeup now, this time. come on. There's not going to be anyone with a gun yelling at another person. That won't happen. <laughs> They'll have a knife and yelling at somebody. I bet you the Are they going to be talking about in. skull fucking? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel you on Halloween, man. I mean, I, I have that one in part two, and I like them both for, you know, respective reasons. I'd like white horses in movies for no reason. But, like, I, I think I think that he does have a vision as a director and has a signature. So I'll probably watch anything he does forever. But, uh, yeah, I felt like he really – I was like, you were doing so good, man. I mean – I didn't necessarily think seeing him as a little kid and his redneck parents and revealing all the things, you know, because Halloween's hinges on the unknown and just a complete stranger killing people, right, for no discernible reason. But uh, then I was like, why are you going to remake? Why are you going to do a Gus Van Zandt, player? Why, why don't you just, you know, anyway. Because oh. they didn't want to make a five and six that would explain it. He wanted to explain it ahead of time so no one can mess that one up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, before we go down the road of talking about bad remakes, Uh-oh. which we kind of are doing, because I heard I heard Gus Van Sant's name. We're not. I'm not going to take that bait. I'm not no. speaking that bait. I haven't said anything about you. Before, you know, I, like you. I did. I know. Oh, I didn't say I shit. Help. Oh, Andrew. Sometimes I can't help it, man. I I just can't help it. Hey, don't get me started on Last House on the Left. Please. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. Well, folks, we're going to take a short break. Then Daniel is going to bring the last film of the night to the table. So let's take a couple minutes, jam out on some fucking heavy metal, and we'll be right back.
here we are. We're going to close out the Good Horror Remix episode with Mr. Daniel Edenfield's final pick. All right. What's the climax of my episode, sir? What did you bring? Oh, gee. Um, <clears throat> well, I brought a personal favorite of mine, which is the remake of the William Castle film, House on Haunted Hill. Hell yeah. And I'm speaking yeah. of the House on Haunted Hill from 1999. This Halloween, six strangers have been invited to a party. If they can stay up till dawn, they'll win $1 million each. The only catch is that they'll have to live through the night. Let the games begin. behind the scenes a little bit ago when we were talking, I used to actually have to defend this film for the fact that I really enjoyed it. And I went to the theater to see it. And it's, I mean, I really don't know where to start. I could give you all the technical, you know, aspects of it. This is the remake of the 1959 one. It unfortunately doesn't have Vincent Price, but they got Jeffrey Rush to play yeah. the protagonist slash antagonist because, one of the things, right, the original House on Haunted Hill, and here's a spoiler alert, but it's been out for so damn long that really I think I can go ahead and give it away. There are no ghosts in the original House on Haunted Hill. They allude to it, but it's not. It's it's a murder mystery. It's like a Agatha Christie, you know, William Castle's take on an Agatha Christie type of story. This new one, I really love just through and through like every aspect of the movie, but it it's one part murder mystery and then another part, supernatural thriller. And that's what really, you know, got me hooked. But you take the stylish nature of it. It's that Americana gothic feel, that, that timeless quality that really the only other person, honestly, to me, like in films, is like Tim Burton, who, if you look at his portrayal of Gotham, the city of Gotham, and then the way he does that in his movies to where he could take a, you know, an early 1930s, 1940s era, like a Silver Age comic style, and brings it into the modern era. So this movie did the same thing, but it injected the supernatural into it. 
And it's also, I, I know I might be rambling about this damn thing, but the cinematography, the techniques in this film, to me was one because I just recently watched it again for the show. Body horror of the techniques that everybody says body horror, but basically the best way to explain it is like the shaking heads. I'll just do it in my mic. You'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Which would become a, a really yeah. overused trope, an editorial trope going yeah. forward after this film. Yes, and the thing is nobody has done it the right way like this movie has. Now, you know, I say the right way, but this is my – let me give it Daniel's, you know, Daniel's stamp of approval on this one because Jacob's Ladder is the one that kind of started that. And then they, you know, bringing in inflections of that into the video game Silent Hill, into that franchise and stuff. But this movie – really took that to the next and I say, God, this is gonna sound so cliched, but they took it to the next level because other than just your random, you know, head wiggling things, this movie used other stylized points like uh the best way I can give it a verb is when you vanna cut it. All right, the Jeffrey Combs' character in this House on Haunted Hill remake, when it shows him he's walking, but they filmed him walking and then overlaid it at a slower and variable speeds to where he looks weird when he walks. And there's no other way to explain. I don't even know the technique for how they did that. Little things like that, quick takes and just, you know, quick pan shots. And then, of course, the, the wiggling and thing, it all culminates into this just movie that surprisingly worked Even for a remake. I was pleasantly surprised just with the acting. I mean, you got Jeffrey Rush and like, I don't care that he won an Oscar in the syphilis of whatever ruler, what I don't give a shit. I don't, I don't even know the name of it. I just know he had syphilis. Madness of King George, maybe. No, <laughs> thank you. King George had syphilis. Or did Jeffrey Rush have – I don't know, but all I know is I don't care. It piano was, player with syphilis. Okay, see, for me, it's like House oh, of Haunted Hill. And the, the next thing I know is that he was Barbosa in Pirates of the Caribbean. So I don't yeah. give a shit about, you know, Oscar-winning whatnot. I knew him as – he was, uh, to quote him from the movie, I'm Stephen goddamn Price. It's all and about it's, the syphilis, people. <laughs> it's just, okay, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to derail this. Continue, Dan. No, it's derailed. It just, like I said, I'm rambling on about it. Just it gets me excited. This movie, it hit all the points right for me. Is it's supernatural. I've always been one. I'm more inclined to watch a movie with a supernatural enemy. I'm never afraid of a real person because you take a shotgun blast to the nostril, you're going to go down. I mean, anybody Unless can. it's Jason Voorhees, of course. But depending on the sequel. Now, see, if he's the risen from the grave with a lightning rod in the thingy and he's walking around, then, yeah, the shotgun might not really phase him all that much. But what exactly is the thingy? Please tell me in detail what the thingy is. What the fuck was the thing? I haven't seen that since I was so, I wanted you to kid. say penis. Just say penis for me, please. Penis for me, please. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't have said that. So it was like a lightning rod with the mega charge syphilis. Jason gets up. Yeah, shotgun ain't going to take him out. I understand that. But uh, anybody else, yeah, it could. Whereas if it's a ghost... I'm a little more inclined to it. My mind is going to run away and just, I can't fathom, you know, how would I stop this or how would I stop, you know, a ghost or a spirit or a demon 
The worst part about this remake, and I'll go ahead and blast this thing all to hell because you spend all of this building up be like, damn, this dude loves this movie. I absolutely adore this 95-minute movie. I really adore 93 minutes of that 95 because that last fucking scene just mm -hmm. ruins it like completely it just you talk about derail it's just dead gone buried they went ahead and destroyed the movie themselves there's nothing you could say about the movie that they didn't already destroy in that last scene but other than that i thought the movie was good look it's robert zemeckis gilbert adler joel silver it's basically tales from the crypt without the annoying ass crypt keeper so it's just <laughs> tales from the crypt who renamed themselves Dark Castle. I mean, they're essentially, they took Demu Borgir and just gave themselves the a rough English translation of it, and they just made a <laughs> badass fucking movie company well and decided, decided to take some badass movies and do it, and then and just ruin it with the last scene. <laughs> hey, I got to admit, the movie I brought in the crazies tonight also suffers from the last scene totally eating shit. And, and it just, it's unfortunate... Even though the last, very last, like, shots of the film are great and finally redeems it, but the last scene is just some Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull level bullshit. Um, but uh, this is a great, great, great example of a fun remake of an old film that just, in general, is out of its time. Yeah, absolutely. If I could, another thing that when I was talking about the stylized camera techniques that they used, my favorite scene, and this, I mean, this one just, it still stands out to me. This is one of, to me, one of my absolute favorite scenes in cinema is that blonde chick who's never had a leading role in anything, but she's been in everything in the 90s. She was like in Billy Madison and whatever. Anyway, she's and I'm sorry, I don't even know her name and don't care. I think care, it's like but... Bridget Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, that scene when she's down with the camera and she's looking through. And, of course, the set pieces in this movie are just phenomenal. This is like – this is – if you own a haunted attraction, this movie is your wet dream. And she's down there walking through and just slowly panning the camera around. And you don't see what she's seeing in the camera. You know, they got the front view of her. But then she goes into that examination room, and then the camera pans back, and it shows what she's seeing in the camera. Well, she's looking, and the room is empty. But when she looks in her camera, the Dr. Vanica and his two nurses are there, and they got this dude strapped on a gurney, and he's fixing to do shit to her. Well, you know, she gasps, and then there's some musical stings. It's like, huh. Well, then she lowers the camera again and looks, and the room's still empty. Well, then she picks the camera back up. and You know, they play on this a couple of times. But then that last time, she holds the camera, and then Vanica and the two nurses stop what they're doing and slowly look at the fucking camera. So at yeah. this point, you do not see the blonde chick. You are getting a full POV shot of that video camera. And the nurses and the doctor all at the same time slowly turn and look at – and that, to me, just – the way that they filmed that. I had never seen that. And I'm trying to think if there was a movie that had done that before. Some movies have done that since and it, with two varying degrees of, you know, success. And they even did it in, um, I can't remember if it was uh, Silent Hill or it might have been one of the Fatal Frames where they kind of did that too in video game form. But as far as a movie goes, that one just that scene 
they they did that one right. And I mean, if anything, I give you know the movie two thumbs up just because of that one sequence, just that one part. To me, if that's the only part you ever watched, just watch that scene. <laughs> I also liked, and I don't know people trying them in. If you agree with this, I also liked the sequel, A Return. Yeah. Oh hell yeah, that one was good too. I missed the sequel. Yeah, Serena Vincent's in that one. It's actually a pretty fun one. Uh, Even though this one's better, the the sequel is quite fun if you do end up enjoying this film. It was made much later. I think the safe thing with the sequel is that you get it, you kind of have an idea of what you're – it's like, you know, when you get it, come on, you know what you're getting. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's let's just be honest. But then when you actually watch it, you're pleasantly surprised that it – it is, in fact, not what you were thinking it is. It's actually good. <laughs> that scene where uh, Jeffrey Rush is in the, the sensual the sensual uh, deprivation tank, and it's got that like rotoscoping oh, man yeah. bouncing that ball. Oh, my God, that terrified me. I was like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and Chris Kattan. Yep. Oh, my God, he's so funny in that movie. He right was there. really, really good in this. He played the perfect just – he was an asshole, and he was trying to tell everybody, you know, if you just freaking listen to me, let's just sit here and drink ourselves until dawn. We'd be fine. But no, no. There's, there's <laughs> some great other people, uh, uh, other stars that are in this. You have Famke Jansen. Oh, dude, I could watch her watch paint dry. Oh. I, mean, <laughs> I just watched X, X-Men the other day with my girls. And uh, Jean Grey, that's all I got to say there. Uh, what about Tay Diggs, the chocolate yeah. masterpiece? Yeah, the chocolate masterpiece is in this. Chocolate Thunder. Dude, seriously, he can make any movie cool because he's just, he's one of those people who's just cool. And yeah, even in this movie, it's like, dude, he's cool. <laughs> but we are leaving out, other than obviously Lisa Loeb's in this movie. Oh my God, yeah. For eye blink, but uh, Jeffrey Combs is in this film. Doctor Vanneke. So there's some there's some great great people in here. Paul, you you had something to say? Uh, actually, you guys talked about it. I was just going to mention that the ensemble cast is really good in this film. You don't get to see many ensembles that get to work together that work well together. And I thought this film was really good because they had such a great chemistry. And also, too, this kind of came out before the uh, reality ghost shows became really popular. And I thought this was when it first came out, it was a very fresh idea to me, you know, just kind of, a, uh, you know, walking through this kind of a funhouse type of thing. So uh, those are the two things I was going to add. So. Yeah, this is definitely one of those types of films. And if anything, this is a great example of what I was talking about when I started the show, a good horror remake that took an old film that was just out of its time and gave it a nice modern update. It, you couldn't really get much better for a super fun film. And, you know, the thing is the, the repercussions of what happened after this film, if you were looking for horror, the, the stylized editorial choices that happened after this no uh, they they kind of did it in 13 ghosts i'll give them that 13 yeah. ghosts had it it had its own aesthetic feel to it but by the time they get to gothica and then oh, y'all just mentioned the other movie and i can't even ghost shit i mean shit ghost shit <laughs> um Gothica they, they, was horrible. They lost a lot of – it seemed like they lost a lot of their pizzazz for you know what they did with House on Haunted Hill and then 13 Ghosts. And it just kind of – poof, it just gone. Right, right. Well, this film still stands up and is still super fun. So, so folks, 
there you have it. Bunch of good movies you guys need to check out. Get off your your uh, chair on your porch with your shotgun and your PBR. Quit yelling at all the kids that are trying to bring their new remakes in. Watch some of these flicks. We got the remake of, of Man, uh, Maniac, When a Stranger Calls, Let Me In, House on Haunted Hill, Piranha 3D, and The Crazies. Astro Radio Z, stamp of approval. Go check out each and every one of these films. We're going to wrap it up tonight, folks, and say goodbye to you all. But first, before we say goodbye, and before we recommend that you go and talk about us on uh, on the Twitter and hashtag Kenny G versus Coldplay, hashtag Kenny G versus Coldplay on the Twitter when you're talking about good horror remakes. Uh, but we're going to let – I want uh, each of my guests to let you guys know where you can find them. If you enjoyed listening to their sultry voices and want to hear some more of them or go pick up – some of our wares. Shameless shilling part, uh, portion of the show, folks. First and foremost, I, I have a feeling we lost her. She may have fallen asleep. Annie, yeah. are you still there? What? Yeah. Are you okay? <laughs> Annie, uh-huh. could you, can you please tell the listeners of Astro Radio Z where they can find your wonderful, wonderfully like poignant and, and face-punching blog? In your awesome podcast, please. Yes, I am at Swallowing Black Stars blog stop blog. God, I can't talk. I'm so fucking tired. <laughs> I'm sorry. Blogspot.com. Uh, I also go by Maria Knox. Uh, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you should be. You can. I post all my shit on there. So, yeah. Tell me what you think, and I'll try to care. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on Annie um, mm-hmm. maybe next time I have you on we'll do it at a time where you're not about to go into a, a coma or, or start to hibernate okay alright good night alright <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Edenfield you're next no you're not I am I wouldn't go oh. around calling yourself Mr. Edenfield then get it anyway <clears throat> no thank you very much uh for having me on here this uh the easiest way to find me is on twitter at the night keep or you can find me at throne of anguish i kind of have multiple names here this but uh nightkeep.com that's the best way to find me if you want if you like the horror stuff or horror music or horror ramblings that's where you catch me so awesome mr gonzarific you're up Hey, um, if you like uh, movies like the Russ Meyer movies, John Waters, Ed Wood, uh, my friends and I make movies here in Athens, Georgia under the banner of Gonzorific, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. You can watch our free movies on YouTube and Vimeo. Uh, if you have a little bit of money to spend, you can rent uh, some of our features on Amazon On Demand. We have Fake Blood, Mondo Gonzo, Pajama Nightmare, and The Underground Cinema, Cinema with an S, and uh, also Gonzorific.com. There's some movies to buy, Dr. Humpenstein's Erotic Castle, um, Dollface, the erotic couch that, <laughs> that Derek mentioned. Yes, it's about a lesbian couch. Yeah, um, there's a there's a few other ones on there. So uh, yeah, dig that. Mr. Paul Salzer, you're up, my friend. Firstly, I like to invite everyone to check out the Northeast Wisconsin Horror Festival at www.newhorrorfest.com, and then you can also find me at uh, on Facebook, Twitter, WordPress at Forsaken Film Reviews. Paul, before we move on. Oh. 
Would you like to talk a little bit more about this horror film festival that you are part of now? I definitely would like to if, if I could uh, steal a little bit of time. Please do. Please do. Okay. All right. Basically, the Northeast Wisconsin Horror Festival is a brand new festival uh, that continues the tradition of the Oshkosh Horror Film Festival. Uh, but uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to promote independent filmmakers. Uh, and we're trying to also kind of uh, get like-minded horror enthusiasts together and introduce them to new audiences. Uh, and we're trying to do it in kind of a balanced way. We're not going to try to super gore you. We're not going to try to super, you know, scare you. We're trying to kind of have a balanced approach to get people uh, very enthusiastic about horror. So it's it's more than just a film festival. Yes, our film festival is going to be the anchor of the festival. It's going to be uh, the focus the first few years. And hopefully uh, what I plan to do is expand it beyond that and a burlesque show, right? A burlesque show. Yes, it's going to be. We can definitely have a zombie burlesque show if that's what we'd like. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'm dude, sorry. I've, I've, I've seen that. That's actually really good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just lots of different things. Get the community involved and, and uh, go beyond Northeast Wisconsin. But we're going to just start out small, and it's, it's first time out, brand new. Uh, we're just, again, really, really hoping to get a lot of enthusiasm uh, and try to get uh, a lot of local filmmakers uh, introduced to the audience and also to get them introduced introduced to one another. So hopefully by, uh, you know, uh, talking with each other and exchanging ideas, we'll get more and more movies, uh, which is, you know, that's the best thing about films because, you know, people come together and then they, they separate out and then they come together and, you know, you get different groups and they have different ideas. And it's amazing what you can get. You know, some person's story just evolves into something that's totally different. We talked about it today with the remakes. You know, it, it's the same idea but told a little bit differently. And, and it's all exciting. And that's what I really, really hope that the um, Northeast Wisconsin Horror Festival uh, will bring in, in people. So. I'm very excited about this, Paul, because this is, as you said, it's coming out of the ashes of the Oshkosh Horror Film Festival, which unfortunately is dead. And though the listeners of Astro Radio Z and the fans of um, my film company, Rabbit Child Films, know that our last film, the anthology film Hole in the Wall, was literally born of the Oshkosh Horror Film Festival. It would not exist without the Oshkosh Horror Film Festival and the wonderful filmmakers that I met there. So um, to see that you want to try and continue this um, idea of uh, community and uh, fun that the Oshkosh Horror Film Festival um, was, it literally embodied. It, it warms my heart and I'm excited and uh, I, I can't wait for it, man. <laughs> it'll be sometime in October. We're still working out uh, the details on the official dates, but it'll be uh, sometime in October. Uh, check the website, www.newhorrorfest.com. New, basically, Northeast Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Nice. Well done. Well, awesome. I can't wait, man. Angelique, tell the listeners where they can find you. Uh, well, most notoriously on Facebook. Just look me up, Angelique Bone. Um, fun to talk to and, and I'll share anything y'all need me to share, <laughs> you know that. Um, 
Also, uh, check out thelosthighway.com. Myself and a bunch of other fun goons write a bunch of fun movie reviews. You know, we find joy in all the pain. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the tagline of Astro Radio Z. We find joy in all the pain. Oh. Feel free. <laughs> I thought of another one for you, though, Derek, too. It was like, Astro Radio Z, we watch shit so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the back back catalog of episodes, haven't you? Man, I've been, I told you, I got hooked, man, last year whenever I discovered y'all, the film jerks, and that's just, that was it. Now, some of them film jerks are okay movies, not all. Not all of them, but I mean, they were great. The, the one, like I said, Stiller, Stiller printed theater, sorry. <laughs> Still, I speak it to English. My, my favorite one so far, though, was just y'all, was Derek ripping into Cyborg. God, that was so <laughs> fucking foot because that's one of my favorite movies dude but it's still just the fact that you defended it and ripped its pants off and left it dying and bleeding in a ditch too at the same time just the, the basic that part when you said what well, a whole fucking movie was a slow motion anyway so it's like you play it at normal speed the goddamn thing with 20 minutes long is so fucking funny <laughs> I fucking love that movie so goddamn much. But that's the thing about that's the thing about me is, and I think most uh, exploitation fans and fans of cult cinema can recognize that you know what it, this is something I've said many many times on my podcast before is that films don't have to be perfect to be enjoyable. You can still pick them apart and trash them, or not really trash, and that's a bad way to say that. You you can sit and find their flaws. But in the end of the day, did you have a good time watching it? Did it make did it entertain you? And if that answer is yes, then it was a good movie. Oh, that's the whole fucking point, man. It is every time. <laughs> so Cyborg's perfect. Movie. That's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that's like I always say a movie can be anything but boring. Absolutely. Well, folks, I'm gonna wrap it up here. Uh, you can. I'm obviously your host, Derek Carey. Uh, you can follow Astro Radio Z on Twitter, on uh, YouTube, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, anywhere where podcasts are found. You can find this podcast. You can go to our website, www.astroradioz.com. You can also contact me at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. So, folks, for all of us tonight want to say thank you for listening. Hashtag Kenny G vs. Coldplay forever. Say goodnight, folks. Goodnight, folks.
son of a bitch whore monkey nuts. <laughs>